to us the word for 2.16 for singles and for other areas, but predominantly for singles. But there's something in this for everyone. Now, when we tried to, when we tried to speak this before Christmas, we had a malfunction on the desk and it didn't tape. So there's more than one way to get the message across. We can go again. Amen? But there's enough in this for everyone. I've changed my strategy. So, because God wants to bring us hope. God wants to bring this house hope. I'm serious about our future. As a pastor, fatherly, father, figure, I'm concerned about your future. And so much so that the Lord has spoke to me about your future and our future and has given me a strategy of how to provide for your future. That would be a good place to say amen. That would be a very good place to say amen. The future, despite Doris Day, is not Kesar Sarah. It's not whatever it will be, will be. It's what we choose to partner with. And the one we choose to partner with will determine our destiny and our future. How many of you agree with that? If people are trying to make their future, and they will make a future, but there is, there's always an alternative. Your future doesn't have to be as, as uh, painful as some people find it out to be. I changed my scripture last night. The original slide here. Verse, read, reading from verse 1. Let's put it on the, on the overhead here. Before I was, in fact, I'll read it from here. Before I was born, he has made me. Before I was born, he has made me. From my birth, he has made mention of my name. He made my mouth, double A there, like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel. You can put your name in there because this is prophetic. When it's literal, he was speaking about Israel. But when God speaks to us about what he said, you can put your name in there. You can put our name in there. Dream Center, you can put your name in there, whatever your name is. You haven't got a name, call yourself Israel. In whom I will display my splendor. So before I was born, he has made me. He made me. From my birth, he has made mention of my name. Thank God. God spoke about me before I was even made. Yes? So the fact that if he spoke about me before I was made, he had a plan for me. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. So he's fashioned me, purposed me for something before I even know about it. I'm in the shadow of his hand. He hid me, thank God. He made me into an polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Tony. I'll put your name in there. In whom I will display my splendor. Now when the Lord started speaking to me about the, uh, the, the future of the Dream Center, when I was in... Malaysia, Papa Jonathan started to speak to us about this is the year of the selected arrow. And that resonated within my spirit. It resonates within my spirit. I hope it resonates within you. For God to speak of you before you were born, young people, think of this. You just didn't get here by your mum and dad. God saw you before you were born, before mum and dad ever got together. God saw you. God called you, God hid you in his quiver, and he's polishing you as an arrow so that when he fires you, you hit the target of his choosing. Amen. That's great. Young people, you need, you need to know that before the world starts telling you which way to go. 
before the world starts telling you how to think and what your future should be and what you should do and all the fashions and the fads and the music that you listen to start speaking to you and pulling you in one direction, you need to know that God spoke, God spoke your name out before you were even born. And God's put you in his quiver. And he's sealed you and he's polishing you in this house. He's working on your heart. Why? Because there's going to come a day when the bowman and the arrow are going to come together and God's going to fire you in his chosen field. Amen? Everyone in this house has got a field. And how many of you understand the significance of the bowman? He needs an arrow. Of course he does. And he needs a quiver. And I want to start encouraging you. Here you go. Here's one for you now. If you're smart, write this one down. Every time you read scripture, I want you to see, I want you to see what you're reading any day, any given day. I want you to see that when you open the pages of your Bible, what you read is called the passage. That's called the bow. The passage is called the bow. Okay? So as you read your Bible in the day, at night, morning, whenever, the passage is the what? The bow. Now the passage, listen, will lead you to the message. The passage will lead you to the message. So if I read Isaiah 49, as I've just read now, and they're saying a lot in Isaiah 49, is he not? Right, so that's the, that's the passage. Now let's say David opens up Isaiah 49 and Chris opens up Isaiah 49. They're both in a passage of scripture. Yes? But as they both read Isaiah 49, the Lord begins to direct David to one verse or two verses or three verses or whatever. And he begins to direct Chris to some verses. They both found the message out of that passage. Now, when they find, when the passage leads you to the message, you become the arrow on the bow. The bow thrusts you towards a direction and an intention. Yes? So let's just say, I was reading Isaiah 49, and I'm asking God, Lord, what about my life? How do you want to use my life? And I read Isaiah 49, and I think, there's a lot of things here about Israel, and I really don't know how this applies to me. That's the passage. As you start reading it, all of a sudden, I'm led to before I was born. So now, it's got a significance to me. Yes? And then I start reading this, and then all of a sudden, I feel that there's a message here grabbing hold of me and thrusting me forward into hope. Can you see that? I said, can you see that? So the, passage, the, the bow and the arrow must come together. But the scripture, is in every scripture you read, there's a passage. But how many times have you read a passage and never discovered the message? Come on. Especially when you're reading genealogy. And he begat him, and he begat that, and he begat that, and he begat that, and she begat that. I'm thinking, what the heck does this mean? There's a lot of begatting. And I'm thinking, and there are some chapters that you, you read and you think, he was on a bad day. He was on a bad day, the day. You take Job, 
Some of the books of Job, you're thinking, oh my Lord, Job, I want, I want to die reading this. Never mind you. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of what just seems information, useless information at times, because if it's not hitting you, it seems useless. It's not useless. Because everything has a time. And then the Holy Spirit directs you through the passage that you think is going nowhere. And then all of a sudden, his arrow thrusts you forward to the message. The message gets inside of you. And as it gets inside of you, then God throws back his bow and he launches you into your future. Can you see that? Now all of a sudden, this word now becomes living. It becomes active. But how many days, how many weeks, how many years did you read it and never found the message? And you read the passage and the passage just seemed pointless. The passage seemed boring. Come on, all got our hands up. And then one day, you turn to the passage and the Holy Spirit begins to lead you to the message. And once the message gets hold of you, you now become... The arrow in God's quiver. His own word thrust you. Now, how many of you can believe that if God can speak to us from the message, from the passage, more and more, we have greater hope? Can you see that? This year, God will deliver the message to us clearer and clearer and clearer. But you must be in the passage. What we want, we want the word to come Without the passage. Every arrow was a passage. True? So we must find. When your spirit is open and alive, show me your ways, O God. The passage will lead you to the message at some point. Isn't that good? That's good. I think it's brilliant. So if you want a message, you better be in the passage. And the passage will lead you to the message. Why? Because that's the, that's the illustration of the bow and the arrow coming together. And it fires you into your future. I, f- I go into my future not just by hope, but by the living word. The word is what thrusts me into the future. That word is the same word I've been led into from a passage. I got a message for your future. So if you can take the same word... That God has given us for you and your circumstances, then you have the living word and you have hope for your future. You don't have to turn left, you don't have to turn right, you can be thrust into your future if you choose. Because your future is all about choices. Yes, God doesn't thrust anything on you, force you. It's God's word, and God gives his word to pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, right? But he also gives it to you. He gives it to you direct, and he also gives it to the ministry gifts. Now, this morning, he's given it to the ministry gift for you. But you will get greater clarity, need greater clarity, after this has been spoken. That makes sense? You will need that so that you will need to be in the passage of Scripture so you can get the message clarified and confirmed in you. Yes? The Lord... Makes his people his target. 
Now, there's a scripture, I didn't put it up on the, scre- on the screen, but it's Lamentations 3, verse 12, and it says, He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. Now, the, the continuation of that became, I became a laughing stock of all my people. They mocked me all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and seated me with gall. Well, this, in this particular incident, God's made this man the arrow of the target for his arrows. And there is a consequence and there is a feeling that this guy now begins to experience when God's arrows come upon us. Because when God's arrow, listen, let me say this to you because you need to know this. It's only fair I give you the small print. When God fires his arrows, it doesn't always feel good. But he still makes you the target. How many of you know God never comes to destroy you? Right. So though it may not feel good, and though it may feel, you know, there's a pounding impact, it won't kill you. It's come to get your attention. Yeah? How many of you know that? It can be hard and it can be easy to receive when God's arrow comes to you. Now, let me just say, the word of the Lord comes to to young Daniel here. Young Daniel, how old are you, Dan? 15? 15, He's 15. He's got the world at his feet. And the word comes to David. David's 25. (laughs) Being kind. The word comes to David. It comes to Daniel. Daniel thinks, listen, I've got all the time in my life. I want to go and taste some life. Yeah, I want to be bad for a, couple of, for a couple of years. I want to go and taste things I could never. I don't want this church lack because it, all it seems to do is restrict me. Church never restricted anything. The man at the front might have. The word speaks what it speaks. David says, I haven't got long left. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, you're not 24, are you? You're not 24. I say you're 42. Turn it around. David's 42 and he thinks, you know, I'm realizing I need to make my life count for something. Right? Now, the word seemed a lot sweeter to David than it did to Dan. The word became, to some degree, became burdensome to him. But it came to him as joy. God's ready to use me. Dan said, God, get back. Hey, there's people in our church, 35, 40, haven't discovered this. I've got time on my hands. So two different philosophies when the arrows of God come upon us in our life. But how many of you know, it carries the same urgency. The only difference is it now begins to witness with David and it carries an urgency within David. So the passage and the, and the, and the message now become one. Now he becomes concealed and polished in God's arrow because now he yields his life to it. But then Dan begins to fight it. But how many of you know, God's arrows will still come for him. And when they come, he may not like it. But because God's pursuing him. Why? Because he called him from birth. He's pursuing Dan. And Dan might spend a season fighting against it. But sooner or later, he'll get shot down. And he'll come to a point when he goes, okay, I surrender. Lord, your will, not my will. Now David says, David goes back to young Daniel and says, you know what, son? I was where you are. It's quicker to yield. That's the benefit of experience. It's quicker to yield than to struggle and fight against God's will. How many would you agree? But it doesn't feel like it, does it? Because when God's arrows comes and he tells you, it kind of cuts in on your plans. And kind of wants to take you a different way. But when you're young, you've got so many plans of what you want to do. 
and you've got dreams and you've got desires. It's amazing me when you see these 15, 16-year-old kids on X Factor and then they audition and the tears start flowing and they say, this has been my dream all my life. Honey, you're 16 years of age. What do you mean all your life? <laughs> all my life I've wanted this. 16 years, yeah, of course it is. So God's arrows are for us. God's pursuing us with his arrows. Yes? So, 2 Timothy says this. All scripture is God-breathed. Now stop, just pause there. All scripture. I don't think you got that then. All scripture is God-breathed, okay? And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. How many would you say amen to that? But you don't like the reality of it. Okay. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The woman of God, the man of God, the people of God. Okay. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. What's that charge? Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Can you all see that scripture? Can you all read that scripture? Because it's talking about us. Now, in that, scripture, in that particular scripture, in that passage of scripture, there's a message. And in that message, he's talking about different kind of arrows that God fires. There are different kind of arrows that God fires. So there are teaching arrows. How many of you would agree there are arrows that when God fires, he teaches you something? Right? So you like a teaching arrow now, don't you? But what happens if that teaching arrow comes to tell you not to do what you're doing? It's teaching you an alternative way. Teaching is not always, I should say, to be taught is not always to feel good about what you're being taught. Teaching is what's good for you, but it doesn't always come with a feel-good factor. You with this? So, young people, older people, God is firing arrows at you because you're his target. He's teaching you. Now he uses mum and dad. He uses brother and sister. He uses friends. He uses neighbours. He uses your teacher. I know you don't like that. He uses the workplace. He uses your college. God's always firing arrows at you. Why? Because he loves you. He wants to teach you. Then there are, excuse me, then there are, Arrows that rebuke you. Oh, nobody wants to be rebuked. Now, teaching carries some level at times of rebuke. Because out of rebuke, teaching will come. How many of you know you've been scalded by your parents? And then they teach you how not to make the same mistake again. True? So God is no different. God is our Father. God will use teachers to teach us. And these are his arrows that he fires at us. Why? Because he's already thought about us. He's preparing us for that future. Yes? This is all for your benefit. For your benefit. Yours. But it don't feel like it. My benefit doesn't feel like it. So, all scripture's got is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting. So there are arrows that bring correction. Arrows that bring correction. But when an arrow 
is fired and lands at your door, do you recognize where it's come from? Can you recognize where the arrow is coming from? Because very often you think, it's just them. They're on me. They're having a go at me. They don't like, they're jealous of me. No, there's truth in that arrow. But because it comes against what you're doing, you rebuke the arrow. Why? Because your will is a stronger arrow. But it's still truth. It's still sent from heaven. God uses people to touch his people. So when a person speaks truth, it's an arrow at your door to teach you, to correct you, to train you, to rebuke you. But if you're not smart enough, all you do is kick them away. But they're here to warn you. They're here to keep you on the path. Can you see this? I know what you're saying, Pastor, but I don't like it. Guess what? Suck it up. We all have to have it. The Bible says if we can't handle this, we're illegitimate. We can't call ourselves sons of God. We're illegitimate. So there are arrows that train us for righteousness. Hello? So all these arrows are carried in God's quiver. And God fires all these arrows depending on what your life needs. Yes? So he'll use a pastor. He'll use a prophet. He'll use your friend. He'll use your work. Yeah, you know your boss can even speak prophetically to you and not even know he's doing it. God will use who he uses to get the message home to you. Hello? You just don't know who's delivering God's arrows. God's got a big quiver. A big quiver. So there are, season, there are in-season and out-of-season arrows. Because why? Because he tells them to preach, be prepared, in-season and out-of-season. So that you can fire an arrow even though it's not the season. Right now, I'm, I am firing an arrow to some people in here who it's not your season for your future yet, to inherit your future. But I am sending an arrow ahead of time so when it is your season, the arrow's on the ground. God's put a marker down. Hello? Now, have we, in all, have we all inherited the fullness of God? With the fullness of God has been given to us, but we haven't got on the other side yet and seen it all, have we? Right. So God put a marker down called the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing our inheritance to come. Right? So we partake of this inheritance in stages. Revelation. But God keeps firing arrows to take us across. Does he not? Because he doesn't want to leave you where you are. So there are arrows of seasonal correction. There are patient arrows. And there are careful arrows. Now what do I mean by patient arrows? I am not quick to hit the target, but I'll just keep firing them close to you. Hello? I've got, you know, some people come to me and they've got problems. But I'm not in a rush to fix their problem. Do you know why? Because you've carried it a lot longer. And you've been disobedient for a lot longer. I'm not talking every problem, some problems. And you can see that people have resisted and fought against the Lord. So why do I think it's going to be fixed in one night? So I'm patient, I'll keep sowing the word. I'll keep sowing the word. Keep sowing the word. I'm patient and I'm careful. Yes? 
and God does that, he keeps allowing you to bump in to his word. He keeps allowing you to touch him. He's patient. He'll wait, Paige, for another 10 years for you. He will. His weight is careful, but he'll keep sending arrows. But he's patient. And then one day, he goes, enough, boom. It get your attention. The arrow takes you down, and it gets your attention. You say, okay, Lord, here I am. I want to do your will. But he was patient with you, and he was careful. How many of you would agree with that? How many times has the Lord been patient with you and careful with you? Absolutely. It seems like the, these arrows are in the air a long time before they hit the target. But you know, the longer something's in the air, eventually it loses momentum, doesn't it, and then drops because it needs power. When God sends his word, there are literally billions and billions and billions of arrows in the air, still on course, flying through generations. Why? Because once I speak the word, it will never return back to me void. So there are billions and billions and billions of arrows sent from heaven all on course. Why? Because the Bible calls it the consummation of the ages when everything that has been spoken will be fulfilled. And arrows have been sent out to make sure that comes to reality. That makes sense? I'm glad. So, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 and 5, for a time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. In other words, they won't welcome the arrows in their life. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who I put down as blunt arrows or soft arrows, preachers, or friends. You'll surround yourself around with a different kind of friends. If your friends keep firing, teaching, correcting, rebuking, and encouraging arrows, well, not so much encouraging, but if you, if you get friends that keep telling you, reminding you what you're doing is not in the will of God, eventually you'll change that friend. Hello? Just, that's an arrow already I've just released. That'll become your reality sooner or later. If you keep rebuffing what God's saying, eventually you'll create yourself a different circle of friends and you'll be isolated. They say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. What they're doing? They will no longer allow their hearts to be moved by word arrows. They don't mind a passage being read. They just never want the message. Oh, this is good. But you, you, children, children of God, that is, keep your head in all situations, endure hardships. Do the work of an evangelist, Discharge all the duties, arrows of your ministry. This morning, I'm just discharging an arrow, which is my duty. It's my duty to discharge the arrow that God has put in my quiver for you. Because it's launching you for the word for 216. It's going to bring hope. Amen? It's just an arrow, but it's on. It's on point. It's on point. Zeke, can I put the video on? I want to put this video on. Before we watch this video, it's an old video, so don't think, oh, the clarity's not great. Of course it's not. The guy's dead. (laughs) Right? But the truth of what he's saying is still true. I want you to be encouraged by what you're about to hear. I said, I want you to be encouraged by what you are about to hear. God opens the veil and allows him to look behind what the future, what the immediate future is about to unfold when you get this word 
God takes you behind the veil and allows you to see your future. Without this word, you cannot see, you cannot enter, you cannot touch, you cannot lay hold of anything that God's got until he takes you behind the veil. And this word is allow, this word that's coming to you for your life is going to take you behind the veil to see what God's got in store for you. These arrows that come. Now, the interesting thing is that Shambach was preaching faith all week. How long did it take the woman? All week. Three services a day. Seven days a week. She was under the word. The faith came. All that time, passage, a passage of scripture was coming. Now, she put the name card in. We don't know what day. But it didn't get read out. But that, again, was divine. Yeah? But she received the word for her son. She received the word of faith for her son. How many diseases? 26. So how many needs did he have? 26 different needs. But he only needed one solution. Doesn't matter how many problems, how many needs, you only need one solution. But faith had to capture this lady's heart for her to believe. And when she believed, she saw it. She saw it. The boy had 26 diseases. Her name card meant there was a delay. But a delay is good. Because God's got patient arrows. And what seems like a delay is not a delay. It's just patient, careful arrows. God keeps sending them so that you will acknowledge, change, so he can fashion, form you, so he can ultimately use you in that domain that God wants to use you. Yeah? She was there for three services a day. You come once a week. Seven days a week. She was there at her own expense. She was staying in a hotel. She was buying her own food. And she kept giving in the offering three times a day. No, I'm not going to take up an offering. Because that's not what that message is telling me to do. Okay? Some preachers would use that. And they'd be taking an offering by now. But that's not what I feel led to do. You're not buying your miracle. You're going to enter into it. She'd given all that she had. She trusted the word coming from heaven or out the preacher's mouth from heaven to her. How many of you, can you see that? But then, this is what Shambach said. You need to get your preconceived ideas, your opinions, and your beliefs that oppose and resist faith out the way. Belief, opinions, I'm not saying you throw, your, you throw your belief away. There are certain beliefs that you have that are, you've formed into an opinions and doctrines that are an obstacle to faith. Do you hear what I just said then? And when those arrows come, it's amazing what doctrine you create to resist them. 
Somebody comes and tells you the truth, don't do this. And instantly you create a doctrine and an opinion so that you can knock those arrows away. That's the doctrine of devils. Because the devil only ever comes to kill, steal and destroy. But I've come that you may have life. So the arrows that the, the Lord sends are to keep life. But when you create your own opinions of what you think the truth is, guess what you're doing? You're partnering with the enemy. Oh. She says, I can't afford to keep on staying here. I'm running out of money. And then he makes that wonderful statement. Faith, if it doesn't, you know, if you can't afford it, then it's not faith. What are you willing to risk? What are you willing to give God for his word to come true in your life? If you've got control over your choices and decisions, guess what? You won't operate in faith. God will give you control. God will give you control over some areas of your life. That's not wrong to have control in some areas of your life. But control on your life is not yours. For I have no longer lived but I've been crucified. It is no longer I that live, but Christ. So there is control that you need to function and govern your life in many ways, but there is ultimate control is God's. And he looks to you to surrender that life so that God's control is sovereign. Amen? What God's word opens up for you, faith lays hold of. Amen? Because the passage leads to the message, the message must be combined with faith. Faith. When God spoke to Mary, when he opened up the the, the message to her, she combined it with faith. I don't see it. I don't understand it. I've not had sex, so how can I be pregnant? But according to your word, let it be unto me. That was an amazing, an amazing amount of faith that woman laid hold of. At that moment, when there was no sane reason for her to do that. Because something had penetrated deep in her heart. Amen? So Genesis, I'm going to give you, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. How many believe in that? And he said to me, son of man, eat what is before you, eat the scroll, then go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened up my mouth and I gave him the scroll to eat. Then he said to me, the son of man, eat this scroll I'm giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it and I tasted it and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. When you taste, when faith is met, when you've got faith in your heart to receive what God says to you and you taste it, that's what it feels like. Taste and see, not see. Then taste, taste, and see. Taste what? As the word comes, it tastes sweet. Then my eyes are open and I see. Yes? So, let me read these scriptures to you because they're they're too long for you to, to read. When God spoke this word to me, I was concerned that our young people and our older people, when I say older people, don't be... Uh, offended by that term, older people. Older just means you're not young in the context of the young people. Does that make sense? So if you're 42, you're young, but you're not younger in, in relation to someone who's 15. Yeah? Cleared that up? Okay. 
And I was concerned that our singles go to Egypt for their partners. This began to weigh heavy on me during October, November. And I kept, I see the struggles that single people have. They have needs, they have desires, they have wants, they want partners. Fully get that. I myself walked that path. And I began to see, Lord, there's got to be a way that of crossing single people over into your perfect divine will. We can't keep losing people for the desires of the flesh. It's not a wrong desire to want a partner. It's not. Please understand that. It's not a wrong desire. But the path that you take can lead you back to Egypt. The very path that God doesn't want us to go down, that's why he sends his arrows to as markers. Son, don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Stay. And it's, and it's like saying, okay, well, Lord, if I stay in this church, there ain't no good-looking guys around, or there ain't no looking good girls. Well, that's your opinion. Because someone else might see the same person and think, fancy a bit of that. You can have a church of 100 young people or a young 100 single people and no one like each other. True? Doesn't mean to say there isn't anybody there. Just means that the one you want is not there yet. Yet. So what we do then is we think, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Wright is not there, so I'll go on a journey. Well, look, look, let's look in Genesis 27 for a minute. Then, Rebe then Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among those women in the land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. So she doesn't want him to have a Hittite wife. Then going to Genesis chapter 28 verse 1, which leads into that. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him and commanded him, don't marry a Canaanite woman. Now, how many of you know that's a command? That was his dad saying, don't do it, son. Don't do it. Don't take one of those women. Okay. Go at once to Padamaram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there and among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your number until... You become a community of people. This is the order of blessing. He's, he's, he's outlining an order of blessing. Don't take the Hittite woman, but go this way instead. Okay? And the numbers, so that you will be fruitful, you'll increase, and you'll have a community of people. Fruitful, increase, and have a community of people. Fruitful, increase, and have a community of people. What we want is increase, Community, but there's no fruit. God's spiritual fruit I'm referring to. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way, and he went down to Padamaran to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, who was the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and had sent him to Padamaram to take his wife from there, and that he blessed him, sorry, and that when he blessed him, he commanded him. So we see there's a command. Yes? Don't marry the Canaanite woman. So the brother heard what the father said. So the arrow of teaching was already fired to the son by the father. Don't do that. True? Why? For righteousness sake. Do not marry a Canaanite woman. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Padamaram. 
Esau then realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father Isaac. So he went to Ishmael and married Mahalath, the sister of Naboth, the daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham, in addition to the wives he already had. So he did something against his father's command. And he already had wives. As if one wasn't enough. Just give me one, Lord. I only want one. I don't need two. Carol says, you're right. You need one. One's enough. Marry me, marry nice. I'll buy twice. The above story we've just read is an arrow of guidance and instruction. Can you see that? It's an arrow of guidance and instruction showing you the way how to enter into and create generational blessing. Can you see that? It came with arrows of command. It came with arrows of guidance. It came with arrows of teaching and instruction. All scripture is useful. And then in the New Testament, we see this pattern exemplified in 2 Corinthians uh, 6, 14, 18 where it's talking about what light does fellowship have with darkness. He's saying here that what harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does the believer have in common with the unbeliever? So he's teaching. He's teaching. He's giving you the instruction that if you fire, if, if you don't let this arrow guide you and lead you into generational blessing, you're going to attach yourself to something that cannot produce what, if you went the other way, will produce. Can you see this, young people? Can you see this, single people? There is a way and an order of entering into blessing. There is a what? There's an order. Therefore, come out and be separate. Now there's a command. Now there's an instruction. Now, every parent in here who's got a son and a daughter, just put your hand up. Right, so we've got some praying to do. Hello? All right, let me re-specify that. Anybody who's got a son and a daughter in here who's a Christian, who's not married? Come on, show me your hands. If you've got sons and daughters who are not married, the Christians, put your hands up. Now, would you not, like Elijah, haven't you got a son that's not a Christian? No, 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 he's not a Christian. <laughs> Your son's not a Christian. Your son is a Christian. <laughs> All right, we'll, go on, we'll, we'll let that one go. The issue... <laughs> he's thrown me that. <laughs> the issue is, you want your sons and daughters to marry according to your belief. Yes? God wants that for us. Why? Because God knows something we don't. And I know it's hard. I know if there's some things, Carol and I will both tell you, if, we was, if Carol was stood here, if I was where I am today, oh, sorry, if, I, if I knew what I knew today, when I was 15 and 16, I would have pursued something probably different. Because Carol and I wasn't exactly two flames for Christ. We were flaming useless. 
We wasn't on point with God at all. We, hadn't, we didn't know what we know now. There was no one there to prepare us. There was no one to disciple us. We had nothing. But you know, in all that, we still knew we were doing wrong. Always knew I was doing wrong. And I always felt guilty for the things I shouldn't have been doing. But we paid the price. We paid the price for that. And often I've thought, am I, am I a hypocrite because I now tell other people? God says, no, you're not. Don't ever let your experience overrule the principle. The principle is the truth. Your experience was your experience because you disobeyed the principle. Principle should never, should experience should never cloud out the principle. Yeah? It's like the doctor telling you that he smokes, but he's telling you about health. The doctor smokes, but the principle of smoking still exists. It's still truth. Smoke, you increase the risk of cancer. Just because he smokes, it doesn't defy the principle. True? Many doctors smoke. It's their choice. So Proverbs, just stay with me for a little bit longer. We're nearly finished. Proverbs 7, 21. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. Sorry, ladies, that it's using the lady in this context. But this can either be a male voice or a, or a, a female voice. At once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deep like a deer, stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver. Like a bird darting into a snare, like knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or strain to her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are mighty throngs. How powerful is that voice? When love or affection or, what's the word, lust, desire, gets into your heart. How many of you know it's a strong voice? Come on. Come on, young people, single people. When things get into your heart, it's very difficult to pull away because that voice is strong and it's convincing. This is the way. But listen, what is it? Persuasive words. This is the behavior. Led him astray, seduced him by smooth talk. At once it followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. That's the end game. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy, slaughter. Like a deer stepping into a noose. It's a setup. Till an arrow pierces his liver. Boom. Gone. Like a bird darting into a snare. Little knowing it cost him his life. So the arrows come and it's almost like it shifted them into a, into a noose. It's propelled them forward. Now then, my son, here comes the instruction. Here's the warning. Listen, then listen, my sons. He's talking to all those who read this. Listen, my sons, pay attention to what I say. All scripture is useful for teaching, training, correcting, rebuking in, righteous. Listen, my sons, pay attention to what I say. Don't let your heart turn to her ways, or stray to her past. Many of the victims, he, she, they, have brought down. So, you think, okay, pastor, all this is pretty full on, it's hard. Yeah, it is, but there's hope. 
This arrow is prophetically, practically warning them of the power and the potency of the enemy. The power and the potency of the enemy. I don't want my children to marry non-Christians. I had no option with Ben. He's married. My desire is that he backslid many years ago as a young kid. I'm not even sure if he, if he frontslid. I think Ben has to find Christ. I really do. Though he was raised in a family, I don't think it ever came into him. I've got to be honest. So I know Ben's going to have his encounter with God. God's promised me he will meet with him face to face. He didn't say you get saved. He promised me he would speak to him. So that's my hope. I'm believing when Scott comes back, Scott will be an arrow, of an instrument to then go and convict him and bring him to a place. And I know it'll start, probably start with his wife first and then Ben will come in. A great confidence. My daughter is in a relationship that I don't want. So I, I've hardly got the, the model going on here. But God's put a light in my family through my son. He's put, he's put a flaming arrow in his quiver that I believe that when he comes back, Scott, Scott will, God will use Scott to fire things off in them. Because, you know, mum and dad sometimes uncool. But I believe Scott's going to be the arrow in our family. It only takes one to create. Now, what happened when that woman's baby got healed? What happened? Ten people in a wheelchair stood up. Why? It has a knock-on effect. We only need to change the culture in this house, reverse the experiences of our young people going to Egypt. So if we can reverse that culture every seven years in this church, you won't notice, but seven years there used to be affairs in the history of this church. Every seven years, affairs used to, sp to spring up. God began to show me the cycle, and we reversed it. Why? Because all those who had the affairs never came through to restoration, and they would never let you bring them through. Why? Because they would not let the arrows of correction and teaching and rebuke come to them. They just wanted to hide under the blood. You can't do that. So when we first, you know, you heard in that purity thing, when Paul spoke and, and other people spoke and confessed openly how God had changed their life, we broke the cycle. Now the culture is different. Now I have great faith. Now I can go around the nations and tell them it's possible. My own pastor friend, Lonnie Bingle, cried and said, that would never have happened in America. He said, I wish to God that would have been on my watch. I wish to God the church would have dealt with certain things the way you dealt with your situation. I said, God showed us and gave us a victory. What we did, we reversed the culture in that area. Now we have to reverse the culture in this area. Our people, single people, need hope that God will bring to them that which they need. Because if it's not there, you can't blame them for going looking. God has to do something sovereignly. Right? And here's the scripture that God's given us. Two scriptures. Where's it gone? His divine power has given us everything. We're starting from what's been supplied. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own goodness. Now, at this stage, don't look at the screen. Listen to the word that's coming to you. In fact, I'll take it away. That's not the scripture we're using. I want you 
to exercise faith as the words come into your heart. I want to see my family turned around. I want to see my daughter pursue something that's wholesome. I want her to abandon that relationship and come and find a man who will give her all that she's looking for. First of all, Christ Jesus. I want that. Now, I know there has to be a revolution taking place in the Higginson household. I know that. Some of you feel the same way about your children. I also know that the young people, I'm already looking at the Jacobs and Sam's because I want God to provide for them well in advance. And by the time they get to the age of dating, right now women are uncool. Football's the issue. Or game control, whatever, the, uh, the pad, iPads. Oh, that's cool. Women, ugh. But for those who are starting to smell the scent of the tiger, all of a sudden now, distractions come upon them. UFOs, unidentified female objects, get spotted. And now you pursue them, which is natural. It's not wrong, it's natural. But what we're saying is, we want to give them hope. Then on the matter, sorry, go back now. Don't look, just listen. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. Let's start there. God's got everything I need. But it has not yet been released in my life. But it's already in the storehouse. Okay? So right now, see your kids, see See your, your, your young people, see your wife, see your husband, and see that God's got things in the storehouse. Through these, he has given us his very great precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. How's that laid hold of? By faith. Faith. To, to get me to rise above my desires. Then, here's the scripture that I believe we'll be praying through. Return, faithless people, declares the Lord, for I am your husband. I'll choose, I will choose you, one from a town and two from a clan, and I'll bring them to Zion. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart and will lead you with knowledge and understanding. God sovereignly has spoken that God will sovereignly, supernaturally, divinely take one from over there, two from over there, and bring them into Zion. Bring them into Zion. So, if we as a people are pursuing Zion, where is God going to bring the resources to Zion? God will bring them into the house if you're in the house. If you've got faith to hold on to this and believe God and trust God for him to bring to you that which you need, then I believe your life will begin to find the secret for generational blessing. I created generational blessing in my house. Do you know how I did it? I did it through how I respond to Carol in front of my kids. How I love my wife in front of my children, how I treat my wife in front of my children, how I speak to my wife in front of my children. Now, young people, I know you don't want to hear this, but mum and dad kissing in front of you, don't it might, ugh, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Do you know why? Because you need to see 
how adults hold each other. You need to see how a man can hold a woman and treat her tenderly. You need to see how dad protects his, uh, your mum's heart. You need to see how he won't let you talk to her the way you want to. Why? Because he's found the woman he loves and he won't let you disrupt what he loves. You need to see that because that's the model you need to look to. Because there's no guy out there who's going to love you like Papa. That's if you've got good Papas, that is. There is no mum, no mama out there who loves her kids like Mama does. So when you see the way mum and dad interact with each other, that's if you've got one of those parents who, who don't mind kissing and cuddling in front of the kids. Because I know kids don't like it. But it's important that the model is in the eyes, in, in view of our kids. I'm just talking about kissing and cuddling. Leave it there. <laughs> Let's not get gross. Let's not spoil the whole thing here. But it's important that the models in the house, the way dad speaks to mum, the way mum speaks to dad, and then the way the children are allowed to speak to mum and dad, it's all part of the model. Because little Johnny and Sally, she doesn't realise it, that the first fella she's going to look for is someone like a dad. Now that might gross her out, but that's psychologically what she's looking for. Why? Because she's seen the, the pattern. Just as like when dad's treating his mum bad, that's the kind of guy she doesn't want. But invariably, that's the kind of guy she, she falls for. You want something so opposite that you're pulled to what you don't want. So God will bring. Now, this is, well, you can say, this is just taught, Pastor. Well, it is if there's no faith. I put to you, church, that we need to help our singles. We who are happy and married, or let's just say we were married. Let's just start there first. <laughs> We'll work on the happiness in another seminar. We who are married should go and bat and pray alongside those who need partners. I do not want our young people, older people, being taken to Egypt because they're seduced by words. I am serious as your pastor, and we are serious as the leadership team, to put the hours in prayer that is required for you to find destiny. We're serious about this. I'm saying, God, if you don't turn up, our young people will keep pursuing a different way. God, you have to sovereignly turn up and show them that you can be a God who will, do, who will give them what they need. And now when you start dating, that's a different issue again. That, that, there's a different teaching for that. But we're talking about you trusting God for what you need rather than you going to Sainsbury's as the you know, they're called nightclubs. <laughs> to go and look for what you need. All that you need is not lost. All that you need and are looking for is not lost. There are some arrows of delay. God has fired some patient arrows and some careful arrows. And you think because it's not hit the target, God hasn't sent the message. When I sent my son a Christmas card, I sent it four weeks. Four weeks to say, happy Christmas, son. Four weeks to tell him I love him. Four weeks. And the postman can't even deliver it on time. Even when you recorded delivery, it was still late. The only thing that got recorded is you were late. But the message was sent out. Son, 
happy Christmas. Son, we love you. The arrow of love was sent out to him. But delay. Patience on my side. But confidence, it's been sent, son. The message has been sent. I'm confident that God has sent this message. I'm confident. And I do believe that in the next months, coming years, God is going to supernaturally bring to Zion that which you need. Because we are pushing for couples. That's, how, that's in our spirit. We want ministry. We want couples. Now, if you're not, listen, if you haven't got a couple and you don't want one, fine. No one's forcing you. Phew. If you want a couple and believe in God, we'll bring you one. God's got someone for everyone. If you want one. If you've already got one, you can't have another one. <laughs> Just thought I'd make that one clear. If you've got one, you've got to stick with one. You can't have another one. This is not like Jacob. You can't have another one. You can't go and take your sister's brother. Yeah, I don't want him anyway. Good. You're not having him. So let's stand to our feet. Now, you, now, let me just say this. Young people, youth and the older youth. Can you believe God for your life? Can you believe God for your life? Parents, can you believe God to supply what your children need? Are you sure? Well, in the meantime, you be the model. You be the, you be the example. Keep loving them. Even though they're a pain in the backside, keep loving them. Keep showing them there's a model. Keep showing them how to interact. Keep loving your wife. Keep, keep smooching your wife, your husband, in front of them. Let them see there's a right way. Make sure the talk around the dinner table is right. Make sure it's wholesome. Make sure it's respectful. Show them the model. But here's the other thing. Go and pray for them. Keep praying in the spirit that God will supply all that they need. Because the Bible says it's already supplied. It just hasn't been delivered. So we're looking for UPS delivery. So let's just raise our hands right now. We're going to go, not next week, but the week after. We're going, we going to start this by going into a week's prayer of fasting. We're going to launch this year, praying, Lord, bringing this word before the Father. You said you will bring one from Zion. Sorry, one from this, two from there. You will bring in what our people need. Lord, we trust you. We will fight for that in the spirit. We will believe. We will sow in the spirit. Um, so, because we're going to reverse this culture. Hello? This is part of us building a multi-generational church. We need partners. We need partners for this. Life. We don't want you to have boyfriends and girlfriends. We want you to have partners. Destiny partners. So, Father, right now, come on, let's stand before, let's stand before heaven as one people this morning. Let's come into agreement this morning. Surely there's nothing that's been said that you wouldn't agree with or want to see. Father, we stand before you as one people. We believe, O oh God, in your word. Who is this king? Is the Lord strong and mighty? Lord, we started declaring to you what, who you were in our midst. We are not about to abandon our confession because of emotional feelings and high tensions and opinions and thoughts as to what's just been spoken. Father, we will stand with this word and we will labor with this word, trusting, O oh God, that every 
single person in this house who desires a partner will find a partner for life and destiny. Give them the courage, the boldness to sever inaccurate, wrong attachments. Give them the boldness, oh God. Give them the strength to do what's right, what needs to be done. This is to a house, church. This is, this is word was delivered to a house. If the arrow landed on you as an individual, good. Because that's where the, I'm just firing from the Lord's quiver. The Lord knows where his arrows need to land. So if it's you, don't say, well, he had to go at me this morning. No, he didn't. He came to bless you this morning. He came to warn you. He came to instruct you. He came to teach you for righteousness sake. I'm a polished arrow in the quiver of the Lord. And every time you pray over your family, for your family in this area, the Lord has an opportunity to launch his, his arrows. Remember, you need the passage. The passage must lead you to the message. When the passage and the message come together, then the arrow of the Lord is fired. So we take this word and we launch it in the spirit, believing that this word will catapult us into our future. In Jesus' name. Church, do we all see this as a house? Our sons and daughters will create legacy. We're going to see some of our sons and daughters return home. Return home. Find, get the marriages in, in good place, get good partners. Some of our sons and daughters have already been married, but God will bring salvation into the home. God will bring restoration into the home. And the pattern will be, will be established. For others, they're not married yet. But God will find a sovereign way of doing it. In Jesus' holy name. And the church of God said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's... Well, the Lord bless you. Take this word. It'll be on podcast this week. Take it. It's your word. Amen.